0: Ruled out. Canadian Centre in Cunada, Ontario. Welcome. The third line plug is war! Hello, everybody. I am your host Tim Anderson, alongside Tim Genzi, Tim. It almost seems like a lifetime of we were together in this building, but it has been it.
1: And absolutely, here we are for a show tonight. Ottawa has tough competition, but the toughest competition in town will come from the 60 goal man, Austin Matthews
0: this crop being as white hot as it is, you know we're in store for a treat tonight. Now let's send it off to How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the Third Line Plugs. Sanscast, I am your host Taylor Gibson. Joining me, as always, from the tropical metropolis of Calgary, Alberta, my co-host, Tim Jancy. Tim,
1: how's it going, sir? It's been good. Had a good couple past few days. uh, Got to open a bunch of new cards on stream. Got to go over, hang out, play some Mahjong with some friends on Saturday. All in all, good stuff.
0: Excellent, man. Excellent. No, I got to ask, as kind of a follow up from last week, how is your guys' prep for your
1: anime thing going? Uh, So we got all the way through uh, the first Gundam movies in about a week, and now we've started on Zeta Gundam. So that's going to be about 50 episodes. And then after that, it's going into the last movie, Char's, Char's counter which yeah. is another, I want to say, two hours. So uh, we're making our way through. Okay. Now, now, you said, like, these
0: are all movies from the 80s, correct?
1: Or they- uh, Yeah. So the Gundam recap movies, Gundam 1, 2, and 3 are 1981. And then Zeta Gundam, I believe, is 84.
0: Okay. Now, you know how when, like, the Power Rangers came out here, they were based... Off the Japanese show. Did the did North America ever get a version of that so show? So
1: what happened? Well, Gundam just came over as Mobile Suit Gundam. Okay. So what happened is Gundam Wing came to the US first on Cartoon Network just as Gundam Wing. Mm-hmm. And then after that, Mobile Suit Gundam came over. And people were expecting something like Gundam Wing, so they're disappointed to get a cartoon from 1979. <laughs> and then uh I don't think Zeta Gundam's ever been aired on North American TV, but uh there's a North American Blu-ray release. That came out in uh, I want to say 2011.
0: Okay, right on, man, right on. So Tim, I'm really excited to get together today. Not only because this is our third line as third line plug as War episode, which means we're going to be talking about the Battle of Ontario from last night. We got ourselves some great stories to talk about top of the hour, and also we got ourselves a great cover athlete to talk about for today's episode, season five, episode 27 in chronological order, episode 122, two, two, two. The Chris Kelly edition of the third-line plug says So just a little background about Chris Kelly. He was drafted 94th overall by the Ottawa Senators in 1999. He was spent eight seasons with Ottawa, recording 80 goals, 108 assists for 188 points in 545 games before being traded to the Boston Bruins in 2011. So when talking about Chris Kelly, Tim, instantly I think of this one story so, as a lot of people remember, Mike Fisher played for the Ottawa Senators at one time. Yes. And Mike Fisher's wife is country music star Carrie Underwood. And so, the Ottawa Center so this is probably, I want to say 2010 or 2011. It was right before he got traded to Nashville. And the Ottawa Senators did a fundraiser dinner. So, basically, you would have people raising money for to have dinner with an Ottawa Senator. Mike Fisher naturally was the top billing ethic. He talked out at $17,000 just because Carrie Underwood was going to be there. Yeah. The guy who came second was Jason Spezza with five grand. Makes sense. And so I absolutely love this story. So the next day at the morning skate, I don't remember if it was Brent Wallace or whoever, in, they talked to Chris Kelly and Chris Kelly's talking about Spezza and he goes, who would spend five grand to have dinner with Spez? Like, <laughs> come on, I'm his roommate on the road, and even I don't have, even I don't spend five grand to have dinner with him.
1: <laughs> no, that's good. But speaking about Chris Kelly, the player, he's he's a, just one of those guys who is just a warrior for your team. Like, it makes you think of guys like Pajot, think of guys like Nick Paul. And uh, when Chris Kelly got traded to Boston back in uh, 2011, I was really happy for him that he was able to play a pretty important role on that 2011 Boston team and win a cup with the Boston Bruins. And that, that 2011 Bruins
0: team, I don't think people really fully realize how good of a team that really was where you have Bergeron, you had Brad Marchand. I think he was a rookie at that time. Yeah. That was
1: Brad Marchand's rookie year. You had Tyler Sagan.
0: Uh, Sagan wasn't there yet. He was maybe a year or two away from there. He was with the 2013 Bruin team. I don't think he was on the the
1: 2011 team. Yeah, yeah, because he has
0: a cup ring. Yeah, that's right. He was on the 2011. Sorry. Obviously, they they bring in Chris Kelly, David Krejci, Chara, Tim Thomas. You know who I forget was on that team, Tim? Thomas Cabriolet. Thomas Cabriolet. I tend to forget. But you know who was also on the 2013 team was Wade Redden. Redden, I think he only played a handful of games in that playoff run. But I remember thinking, I was like, that's weird that Thomas Caberle is the one guy I forget.
1: He was a Boston Bruin. But the thing about Caberle is he kind of saved their season, eh? Because I think he was on the Habs to start the season and the Habs traded him at no, the deadline. I, I think he was Toronto. I think he was on the right. Because I remember him getting traded. It was just like, I wasn't sure about it at, the, at first, but then all of a sudden he just puts on the turbo boots. Yeah, I'm going to quickly look this up because I don't... Did Caberlet ever play for the Habs? Oh, sorry. He, he got traded from Carolina to Montreal the next season.
0: Oh, that's right. Okay, he did play for... You know who I was thinking of was Thomas Bocanek.
1: Right. Balkanik played for Toronto and Montreal.
0: Now, when talking about Chris Kelly, he was one of those guys that I definitely remember... I, I do remember him as a player, but I more remember him from the EA games because he was that third-line center on the set <laughs> where he had like Spez, Fisher, Kelly... Now we're talking about a few weeks ago, Jason Spezza was our cover athlete. And given, yeah. I just mentioned the story about Chris Kelly and Spez, the one story I really regret not bringing this up when Jason Spezza was our cover athlete. So the Ottawa senators in 2009, they played a home game versus the Vancouver Canucks. Yep. This was Matt Sundin's first time back in Ottawa, not as a Maple leaf. Yeah. The same day newly elected president, Barack Obama made his first appearance in Ottawa. So, you know, right, he went to police the escorts and he was in town. Yeah. The same day. Matt Sundin was in town. So Jason Spetza was driving to the rink. He got to the Canadian tire center or Scotiabank place at the time. And he's telling, he's laughing. He's still reporting. He goes, you know, I was driving to the rink and oh, I see all the cop cars. And I didn't think Matt Centineo was that popular. <laughs> you know, he has a <laughs> goofy little yeah, laugh. yeah. He's got the laugh. And yeah. He starts laughing. Goes, man, I didn't think he was this popular here in Ottawa because there was a big rumor that Matt Sundine was going to sign in, in Ottawa. Remember? Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, Ottawa was one of the teams. It was like there was like a handful of teams. There was like Vancouver, the Rangers, Montreal was in there. Ottawa was in there because again, we were only maybe a year or two removed from the. Cup run, so it wasn't far fetched that we could have got him. But I just remember Danny Heatley also saying he says no, he would have never come here. He's a full, he's a full on leafer. <laughs> I can't even remember was Matt Sandin good that season. Matt Sandine was one of those guys in Vancouver. I just remember watching him, thinking this guy has no speed to him. It was like he skated with cement in his skates, right the only good big side that he ever did in Vancouver was that he was paired with Ryan Kessler. And I still maintain he was one of the main reasons that Ryan Kessler became a very confident centerman because you had Matt Sundin, who was this legendary centerman for the Leafs for all those years. He was a captain, superstar, hall of famer. I mean, first year, whatever, that doesn't matter. (laughs) But still. Uh, That would definitely help. It did. Now. Even though we could talk about Chris Kelly, Tim, I want to plug next week's cover athlete poll because for next week's episode, season five, episode 28 in chronological order, episode 123. Now, I know how much you love that our cover athlete polls represent different areas of the Ottawa Centers. Always. I personally always make sure when I'm looking, when I'm putting this together, that I make sure I do this because I know how much you enjoy it. <laughs> this is no different because we've got three different eras Carl Kunick. Sorry, the late Carl Rakunik, Dog Events, <laughs> and Travis Hamonic is our cover
1: athletes for oh, next week. Are we gonna talk about the Spitarabba?
0: Oh, you better believe it. You better believe it, man. Because he will that will always
1: be the one thing that I will always remember him for. Well, that was that is like the biggest thing he ever did in Ottawa Senator's jersey. I know, imagine if he had scored. Oh, my God, that would have been incredible. And he's not even the first guy to try that, too, because Phil Bork,
0: he was a defenseman for Pittsburgh. He tried it. I don't think it was in the playoffs. It might have been the regular season in, like, the early 90s, where basically he flipped the blade around, and he kind of did, like, the little...
1: Yeah. He also didn't score. Oh. Yeah. I guess just don't try cool things on the ice is what I'm here, unless you're Trevor Zegers then you could do cool things on the ice.
0: I still want to see Zgris pull the lacrosse move where he kind of lifts it up by his stick and goes, eh, and just flicks it top corner. Not from behind. The That'd
1: top. be cool. Yeah,
0: it would be cool. It'd be cool. So Tim, I'm going to segue out of talking about next week's cover athlete poll, because I want to ask you the question that our listeners love knowing every single week. How has your week been going?
1: As I said at the top, it's been pretty good. Uh, we did a case opening for uh, White Schwartz on the channel, and that was pretty fun. Uh, we did it over on our Twitch channel. We ended up pulling I uh, prob- think, the high- one of the highest rarity cards you can from uh, the actual uh, booster box cases, and got one of the more expensive cards from the trial deck. So that was pretty cool. So now we're actually trying to build decks with it, and uh, it's going pr- pretty okay so far. Haven't had a full lot of testing in, but we'll figure it out, and then I. Uh, Yesterday, a bunch of my friends got together and we played some Mahjong, and that was fun. Okay.
0: Now, I've never really understood what what exactly is Mahjong. Anyway, I kind of have an idea of what it is, but what what fully is Mahjong, Tim?
1: So basically what it is, is it's it's a game that's kind of like poker. So what you're trying to do is you're trying to assemble a legal hand, and you start by pulling in uh, 12 tiles, and then you draw a tile, And you can either keep a tile or toss it away, but your opponents can take tiles that you toss away if it helps them build their hand in a specific way. So what you're trying to do is you're trying to build a legal legal hand of tiles while preventing your opponents from doing so based. And the only real information you get is what's in your hand and what your opponents are throwing away.
0: Yeah. So it is just like poker.
1: It's very similar to poker.
0: Okay, poker is another game that I never really got that into. Like, I've tried at one time to learn how to play poker, but it was just sort of a I don't know, I never fully got the grasp of it. I never really came back to it. Like, if it's blackjack, I know how to play blackjack, that's easy. All I know, and I remember that an instant 21 is
1: when you get a jack and an ace, and I think of jaw rule, (laughs) but yeah, mahjong's a little more involved than poker because you're actively sculpting a hand. Well, if poker, it's like you've got your two. If you're playing five hand, it's just whatever you got dealt. If you're pay, if you're uh, looking at, if you're playing hold them, it's whatever comes down. It's trying to figure out what's coming out down on the flop. But yeah, Mahjong, it's actively drawing and sculpting a hand. So it's definitely a more involved game. In, in Mahjong, you're most of the time trying not to lose is instead that, of trying to win. Is that just every card game, though? No, because like, In Mahjong, it's more likely you're going to lose a hand than you will win a hand. Right. Like far more likely to lose than win. So you're actively trying to push a tie unless you can win. Okay, that
0: kind of makes sense. So if
1: you don't mind, Tim, I'll talk a little bit
0: about my week. Now, I am officially in Easter break, which is really nice. So Friday, I surprisingly got a full shift out of it because it was just a slow day. We only did maybe... 35 people for dinner that night, which is oh, funny. Wow. So, at, so at work on slow nights, whatever myself and like my coworkers who are working that day, we have a, like, we have a couple of warming cabinets behind us on the surgery line. So basically what we'll do, we'll get a magic marker and we'll write our name on the door yeah, and we'll write the number of how many kids are going to come through. Yeah. So I instantly lost cause I had 15, 15, oh, wow. kids, 15 kids are going to come in. One of my co-workers wrote 30 and I was right on the money.
1: Damn. Why do you pick such a low number, though?
0: Just because, again, well, you got to realize, like, where we are at the school. It's like you have McDonald's, you have a- uh, AEW, A&W, you've got Subway, you've got Thrifties, you've got everything around. There. Oh, so like kids you
1: know, don't have to come in.
0: Exactly. It's more of a, like, if you were at an upscale private school, what would you rather do on, like, your Easter break? Would you rather come eat cafeteria food? We're going to McDonald's
1: depends. How good's the cafeteria food? I mean, I think it's pretty good. Like like if it was like really nice cafeteria food, I would take the cafeteria food every time. Like I remember when I was working on the base and a bunch of the officers like, yeah, but this is the only time I could go and eat like crappy McDonald's food. I'm like, sure. But do you see the crap the federal government buys for you? This stuff's awesome.
0: Yeah, it's pretty good. But the problem is, and just like what you're saying about working on the base is that at a private school, you're, you're cooking for bulk. You're not cooking for individuals. So like you can't just add any kind of spice you want to it. It's kind of just, I don't want to say mass produced, but it's definitely, it's, Oh yeah. It's line produced, right? Line produced, right? So you can add whatever spices to it. So I can understand it. Even for line produced food, it's still pretty decent. And on Friday night, I went out and had a couple beers with our new first cook, James. Nice. Good guy. He actually told me a story. Cause he, okay. So he worked it with the coast guard. Oh, okay. told me how he got a medical discharge from the Coast Guard was and uh, and your dad would know firsthand being in the was that he was on the Coast Guard ship and how and he's on his top bunk and the water yeah. on, you know, wavy. Right. Yeah. So he's on the top bunk and he has this. Uh, there's an actual term for it. I, I can't remember if it's like a support beam in the room. And so he's in the top bunk wall, you know, the water's like this. He falls off and cracks his head up
1: against it. Knocked him unconscious. Did you not have a way to like hook himself into the bed? Because like on the, like on the sub and on the surface ships, they, they hook themselves into the bed. So that doesn't happen.
0: Yeah. Well, correct me if I'm wrong on those kind of ships, like they
1: do they have railings or anything like on the outside of it? Uh, Some do, some don't, but like you will strap yourself into your bed. If they don't,
0: yeah, it was just one of these things where I guess he didn't have it or didn't do it, and uh yeah, got a medical medical discharge. He was in the hospital for like a month and a half. Holy shit! Yeah, it was bad. But he told me some great stories about going to the Charlotte's and whatever and all that cool stuff. Now, on the podcasting side of things, Tim. Last night I got to do a brand new episode of the Great what Experience with our bod Neil, formerly Maple Syrup Shots, now with Podcast, where we did a deep dive into the career of kevin smith and it was great it, it, this is an episode that i had right off the top of my head i was like okay because i started this new segment called let's talk about where we would do a deep dive into like a body work an album video game whatever right yeah and kevin smith was one of the first guys i thought of because again the very first episode of great World experience was about my favorite kevin smith movies Yeah, because he was the big inspiration for me 10 episodes in we went i went back to the well Nice. And it was great. So we got an hour out of that. I haven't edited it. It'll probably be up sometime next week because I'm going to be in Vancouver this weekend so I won't get a chance to. So yeah, it's going to be a good time. Now talk about last week's episode, Tim. And you know, here's the thing with the episodes. Yeah. Is that you got to realize I don't ever think of titles for the episodes until the episode's already up.
1: Well, with the exception of like the wrestling ones. The re, yeah, where the, where the we Bell of Ontario
0: at? episodes are kind of different. But if I think of something really funny or something kind of cool, then yes, absolutely. Like when Drake Bathurston came back, it was called Return of the Bath. Yeah. An obvious playoff, Return of the Mac by Mark Morrison. Last week's episode, I just I couldn't think of a name. That's why it was called Norrist. Yeah. That's good.
1: Yeah, you know, we take it. <clears throat> it happens, right? And I don't, I, most people aren't looking at title of a podcast let's be real
0: yeah but i think for myself it's it's definitely the first thing you're gonna see right and obviously it's true but for myself i always think of like okay i need to have something that's kind of eye-catching kind of maybe fits with the episode whatever but it's like sometimes i just can't think of the one and i haven't gotten to the point where i just so untitled episode i haven't gotten to
1: that episode 23
0: yeah Yeah, but honestly, last week was on a pretty decent episode.
1: Yeah, no, I had fun doing it.
0: We did, Tim, we did. But you know what I also had a great time with last week? Is the segue into this little segment I like to call Top of the Hour. You know, as much as that transition wasn't too bad, Tim, last week, though, come on, how good of a transition was that?
1: That was That was a fantastic transition.
0: Oh, my God, right? Just so seamless, buddy. So seamless. Not like this one. There goes my mic. (laughs) Uh, Fuck, I'm a disaster. Hold on. No, we're good. We're good.
1: Holiday podcast, everyone. I know. I know. This is what
0: happens five years into it, and we're still a fucking disaster. Now, Tim, you know, with top of the hour, I hate talking about death. And unfortunately, we've got two deaths to talk about this week. New York Islanders great Mike Bossy passed away on April 15th at the age of 65 following a battle with lung cancer. Bossy drafted 15th overall by the New York Islanders in 1977. Spent his entire 10-year NHL career with the Islanders, recording 573 goals, 553 assists for 1,126 points. In 752 games, while winning rookie of the year in 1978, three Lady Bing trophies in 1983, 1984, and 1986. And more importantly, he was a member of the four straight Stanley Cup winning Islander teams from 1980 to 1983. And in 1982, he was rewarded the Smythe trophy as playoff MVP. You know, Mike Bossy is one of these guys who, and I always bring this up with the Islanders, is that, you know, it's such a shame that the Islanders dynasty is so overlooked just because of Gretzky. And Mike Bossy, I think he took that very personally, that he, I think he said this in interviews in the past, and there's some articles where he said this, where you definitely get a tone of like, why is it that we won four straight cups, and yet we're the ones that get overshadowed?
1: Overlooked, yeah. Well, the other thing that's incredible is like, unlike Gretzky, Bossy's fifty goal seasons were consecutive, which is insane, and they have the same number. So it's, and like remember, all this is happening after Mike Bossy busted his kneecap at age twelve. Like, just think about that for a second. That's
0: just painful. Just thinking about it.
1: I'm surprised that uh, well, lung cancer is a <laughs> Just an awful disease, but uh, definitely a guy who's gone too soon. Apparently, he was hilarious on French radio.
0: Yeah, that's what I heard, too. I I always really heard that. And, you know, when it comes to Bossy, he was one of these guys who, you know, you look at his numbers and you're just like, the fact is he had, I think he had nine straight or eight straight 50-goal seasons. Insanity. Gretzky, I think I think he had nine. I think Gretzky only had eight. Yeah. And the fact Good. is that Mike Bossy had nine. And when he scored 50 and 50, think of this. Think of all the players who came in between Rocket Richard and Mike Bossy who never hit that number.
1: There's a lot of like really impressive names in that list too, right? And I think uh, Bossy still holds most power play goals in one playoff season like most 50 plus seasons sorry most 50, consecutive 50 goal seasons and most 50 goal seasons total tied with Gretzky and most 60 plus goal seasons also tied with Gretzky like the guy was a machine
0: he was and again he never got the full recognition for that
1: and he actually has the most consecutive hat tricks still
0: that's oh, that's amazing but Again, I, I don't want to harp on that with the whole '80s Islanders '80s Oilers thing, but it's it's so true how much the '80s Oilers were just greatly overshadowed what the Islanders did. Yeah, and I think it's because again, when Mike Bossy scored fifty and fifty, that was a huge moment. Only for Gretzky to score fifty and thirty nine the next year. Yeah.
1: Well, that's the thing. The thing about Mike ba- Bossy and those Islanders is they weren't. And notice how a lot of the things we've been talking about Mike Bossy is that it was, he did it consecutively. They may not have been as flashy as the Oilers, but they were consistent. And Mike Bossy was, sorry, Mike Bossy was consistently good. Yeah.
0: Well, when we're talking about consistently and consecutive, you know what the magic number for the Islanders are? 19. That is the number of playoff series they won. From 1980
1: to 1984. Which they is obscene. I, I don't think another team will ever do that.
0: No. You you look at all the teams that oh, can't win back-to-back Stanley Cups. I mean, the fact we haven't had a three-peat since the Islanders is amazing. Like, the Oilers never won three straight. And the Oilers did, ripped off four. Yeah, they won four and five years and here's the Islanders. They won four straight.
1: Yeah. Like that's the thing is that the, the Islanders are probably and Mike bossy who led them are probably one of the most consistent NHL teams we have ever seen and ever will see.
0: But even in his final season, and I I think you could probably look this up is that I think he didn't even play 70 games that year. And he had almost 40 goals with a (laughs) bad back.
1: Jesus Christ. Got to a
0: point where he says, you know what? I can't do this anymore. And it's a shame yeah. because years late, even in, because Mike bossy with his back in the '80s, was very much what we saw with Mario in the nineties, where we saw a guy whose back just deteriorated to a point where he had to get a teammate to tie his skates for him.
1: And he was still well, dominant. What's insane is like, yeah, he had 38 goals in 63 games. If he, if his health had allowed him to finish the season, he would have gotten his 10th 50 goal season, which would have been more than Gretzky.
0: Yeah. And it's a shame that he never got that. Right. So now we're going to move away from Mike Bossy because we have another unfortunate passing. Former Anaheim Ducks tough guy Garrett Burnett passed away at the age of 46. Burnett played 39 NHL games for the Ducks during the 2003 04 season, recording one goal, two assists for three points and would later join the Danbury Trashers as a player and assistant coach for the 2005 NHL lockout.
1: The Danbury Trashers.
0: You know, and this is, that's one of the main reasons I put this in the store in the top of the art, just because again, the Danbury Trashers were such an interesting story and anybody, and we talked this with Brent Wallace, anybody who watched the untold episode on them, you would just think this is not real. This shit's not real. There's no way the 17 year old kid's going to run this hockey team with his dad who had mob ties. And yet here it is
1: just like, Oh, here, here, we go.
0: Yeah. I think if I'm not mistaken, I think Garrett's one of the few guys I don't think was in the documentary itself. If I'm not mistaken, there was photos of him in it, but again, what the when I was reading this story, one of the unfortunate things, because he was a tough guy, I assumed he had unfortunately committed suicide. It was not the case. He had passed away in a motorcycle accident, but I thought it was really classy last night in the Sens Leafs game because Garrett was a former Ottawa 67. They paid tribute to him and Mike Bossy, and it was really cool because, again, Garrett Burnett was on the 1999 Ottawa sixty-seven team that won the Memorial Cup.
1: Yeah, and even though he didn't get much time in the NHL, he played 40 games. It's it's always sad to see someone go in an accident like that, eh?
0: It has very much shades of Luke Burnham. Back yeah. in 2008 when he died at the age of 21 and it's just it's a shot at any time that anybody dies in the NHL, regardless of what you thought of their career or whether how big they were. It's such
1: a tragedy, right? Yeah. And like he was in his 40s. So that, that was just a young, young guy. It was. So we got to give a quick shout
0: out to the Florida Panthers as they became the 15 to score 300 goals in a season since the 2005 NHL lockout. Said list includes the 2018-19 Tampa Bay Lightning, the 2009-2010 Washington Capitals, and, of course, the 2005-2006 Ottawa Senators.
1: That That's elite territory, and this Florida team, they play hard offense, mm-hmm. and have probably been one of the best offensive teams we have seen, as you said, in the cap era.
0: Yeah. The fact is that Florida, I mean, and I was telling this to somebody at work the other day. I said, you know, you look at their lineup. Tell me where there's a weakness right now. I mean, I understand the only one you maybe see is in goal where they're not really getting goaltending at the moment, but I think that'll write the ship before the playoffs anyway, because fucking Florida, man, I'll tell you. And I picked, and people were like, oh, wow, Florida, like they're this good. And I'm like, I picked the Panthers right from the beginning to the our division. So it's yeah. not a
1: surprise to me. Well, let me read out their injury list right now. Okay. Nola Chari, Aaron Ekblad, and Marcus Nudivara.
0: Yeah, those are some key injuries right there. Yeah. Now, we also got to give another quick shout-out, Tim, to New York Rangers forward Chris Kreider, who became the fourth player in Rangers history to score 50 goals in a season. The most recent Ranger to hit 50 goals was Yarmer Yager in the 2005-2006 NHL season. I'm still mad Uh, that he hurt Murray. Yeah.
1: Well, here's the thing about Chris Kreider is you always forget that the dude is just a very competent power forward, but like his scoring explosion this year is completely unexpected.
0: Well, especially on a team where you have Sabanajad, Artemi Panarin, Adam Fox, like you have players in the NHL, where in that on that Rangers team, where you're just like, this is where a lot of the offense is coming, and Kreider comes out of nowhere. It's kind of like when Tom Wilson came out of nowhere offensively to put up big numbers for the Capitals. It's just yeah. like Jesus Christ, you have a team where you have Alex Ovechkin, Backstrom, whatever, and now Tom Wilson's now one of your big guys,
1: or even Brad Marchand, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like, it's kind of funny to watch. And uh, that outside of the whole knee and goalies thing, Josh Norris, his offensive profile is starting to look a bit like Crider's. Yeah. I'm going
0: to say, I I don't think a guy like Parker Kelly is going to hit those kind of numbers, but if he hits maybe 20, 25 goals a season, I'll be happy. Yeah. We take it. Mm Mm-hmm. The NHL has announced that the 2023 Winter Classic will return to Fenway Park, the home of Major League Baseball's Boston Red Sox, for a game between the Bruins and the Pittsburgh Penguins. No set date for the event has been announced. I absolutely love how the NHL is all about trying to grow the game, and yet they're going back to the well at Fenway Park. I'm not saying Fenway isn't a cool venue for the game, because it's the oldest still active sports stadium in North America, but at what point do you just look around and be like, okay, we've kind of been here. What else can we do?
1: And there's a lot of other historic buildings. Like you could just real, like, I'm not sure they would do it because of kind of the controversial nature of the building, but you could just for a game, reopen Maple leaf gardens. There's a bunch of good football state, There's a bunch of historic football stadiums.
0: Yeah, like I'm I'm sure in Chicago they've probably been back to Soldier Field. Yeah. But I was gonna say, if you even if you want to go into a neutral site, a good one, especially in the Midwest where you have like Minnesota Wild, you have some teams around there. What about Lambo Field? Lambo
1: would be good. Yeah. You could probably do Safeco Field now.
0: That was on my short list right now, is and of course it's not known as safe, it's T-Mobile Park now.
1: T-Mobile because Park
0: Kraken yeah. coming there because it's I was gonna say it was either that or Lumen Field where the Seahawks play. But the problem is is that the game will probably be in like January. And it right.
1: rains and sea. will get rained out.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I think with T-Mobile Park, it's perfect because it has a it has a roof on it. You could do great. They've I mean, fuck, WWE proved that they can have that in a stadium because with the part with the roof and everything but it would also be cool i would say t-mobile park would probably be a very short list for me you could do lambeau field in in wisconsin because you would have you know a lot of minnesota fans would drive down you could have
1: stuff like that well, you'd have chicago fans drive up
0: yeah you would have that or even more recently if you want to do this what about 18t stadium where the dallas cowboys play
1: a hunt Jerry world. That'd be cool. The refrigeration would be very difficult to manage, but if they could pull it off, that'd be sick.
0: Yeah. Well, even if they get Jerry Jones involved to pump some money into it, I think it would be great.
1: Uh, they could probably play in the old Nordiques building if they really wanted to piss people off.
0: Oh, the old call. Uh, Pepsi. Call it, say, Pepsi.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
0: honestly, I mean, there is some football stadiums in like in the south. So you could definitely put games in if you want to go into Florida. I um, mean, you could do. I think it's called the Hard Rock Stadium where the Miami Dolphins play. <laughs> Will Ray- they have the dolphin? Here's the one Raymond J Stadium
1: where the Tampa Bay Buccaneers play. That'd be good. But if they play in Miami, would they have the dolphin? I think if they played
0: in marlin park where the marlins play yeah i don't know if they have the sculpture anymore but that was definitely one of the coolest things i remember i yeah. always thought it i mean and actually i want to go on a short run here why the fuck is the florida marlins not or the miami marlins not going back to black and teal to me that is like the miami marlin colors
1: because it's never set that on team color- has to be that team has to be mired in inconsistency and, mer- and mediocrity for its entire existence
0: unless you make the playoffs and then they weren't just win a world series. Yeah. But like, no, that team has to do everything the hard way. Tay. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So we're going to move on to our next story. And you know, this is a story that I wasn't too sure how exactly to write this up. So I'm just going to read it, how I wrote it out. Former NHL defenseman, Chris Pronger taking to Twitter to explain how income, how, how much income NHL players actually bring home.
1: Yeah. It was a cool series of tweets and uh, I think a, a lot of people just forget how big of a chunk of player income just goes straight to federal, federal and provincial and state if they exist income taxes, because when you are making billions of dollars, the fact the matter that the tax system is progressive stops mattering because over 90% of your income is in the upper tax bracket at like almost 40%. Yeah, and that's why you see. Or 50% in some states.
0: Well, the nice thing about the NHL players today is that they're very, they're getting much more smart about it. And that's why you see a lot of players that will play in Texas, Florida, state, states that have no income tax. And that's why a lot of the NHL guys don't come up to play in Canada. Because again, you're not only paying provincial but you're paying federal taxes too
1: well in the u like in the u.s yeah it's a lot of no lot taxes states that either have no state tax or if they do do have a state tax it's a, it's a flat tax mm-hmm. but yeah so it's like there's that and the unfortunate case that there's a still a lot of agents or parents with powers of attorney that will screw over their clients or kids as seen by jack johnson as seen by jack johnson yeah
0: but honestly, I was very interested with this thread because it's not the first time Chris Prager has taken to Twitter to do this, and it's one of these things where I never thought Chris Prager being a financial guru or doing a TED Talk on Twitter
1: would be something I would have on my 2022 bingo card. I mean, good on him for help for doing it though. Like a lot of these guys, like a lot of people, don't fully get the nuts and bolts of what's going on until they actually do it.
0: Yeah, and it's one of these, and I have to ask because you know, with this whole thing is I know that TED Talks have been a thing over the last several years.
1: If Chris Pronger was to do one, would you be interested in watching it? I'd probably watch it. The problem with I've always had with TED Talks is it's I often find that they don't get the best, like they don't really get the top experts in the field to do the TED Talk because the t- top experts in the field would rather talk to like AEA or something like that. So it's usually a celebrity. Yeah. So you get
0: more their perspective on things more than a
1: top expert. An actual idea. Yeah. Yeah. So I've never really cared about Ted talks.
0: Okay. But some of them can be very interesting though. Cause I think for <clears> me, <throat> one of the more interesting ones had to be, I think it was the mom of one of the shooters from Columbine. Right. And- Went up there. I, I don't, I can't remember where it was, but she did a whole talk about it. Just like my son was one of the shooters. And she talked about how much that really affected her, her family, everything that surrounded it. Right.
1: Fair enough. Yeah.
0: So we only got one suspension to talk about this week, Tim. And it's one that we actually talked about on last week's episode. Pittsburgh Penguins Ford of Guinea Malkin has been suspended four games for cross checking Nashville Predators defenseman Mark Borviesky in the face. Malkin is not. A repeat offender. Keep that in mind when I just say that. Yeah, surprising. How many times has he got away with not being suspended?
1: Far too many. You could argue he ruined Chris Weidman's career. When he leaned in on the dude's Achilles tendon.
0: Yeah, it's one of those things. It's like, you know, because everybody gave Matt Cook shit for being dirty. And yet here's Evgeny Malkin who would do shit like this all the time. Yeah. And nothing.
1: Yeah, so it's good to see that something's finally been done to Malkin.
0: Okay. 100%. Now, to close off top of the hour, we only got one fine to talk about this week. Minnesota Wild forward Ryan Hartman has been fined 4250 Canadian, sorry, $4,250, the maximum Lobo under the CBA, for flipping off Edmonton Oilers forward
1: Vander Kane. Hartman got heated in this, eh? Like he came out after the game and just insinuated that nobody likes Evander Kane And that's why nobody came to defend him in the scrum. He's not wrong. It's not wrong, but you don't say it like dude was heated. One of the
0: nice things that I love about hockey fans is that when this fine came out, all you saw was people donating money to this, but (laughs) there was one person in particular that really stuck out for this was Evander Kane's ex-wife.
1: She donated money towards his fine. I don't know what's going on with that man. Because, like, the court dismissed most of her causes of action, but it's just like, Jesus, what's going on in that guy's life?
0: Yeah, it's it's fucked, man. I mean, honestly, and we've talked about it with like Jake Fertan and Ev- Evander Kane. We talked about it with number of players in the past. Now, Tim, I know this would this would wrap up top of the air for this week. Now, I want to include one story I didn't get a chance to add. Is the Eugene Melnick athletic article that just came out?
1: Yeah, that dropped on
0: Friday, right? Yes. Now, I want to get you to take this lead because honestly, I didn't. I've I've read like bits and pieces of it from what people are posting on Twitter, but I haven't got a full. Chance. This is the article that Katie Strangs was been had been writing for about. Yep. We talked about this on the show. Ian Mendez was involved with it. Just, just the backlash that this is getting, because people think it's in bad taste because Eugene Melnick died a few weeks ago, but it's not like this is an article that just came out of nowhere. Like, everyone's no. known this was coming out for a while.
1: So, like, so basically, what the article does is it kind of goes through just the culture and the dealings of uh, Eugene, Mel- Eugene Melnick's Ottawa Senators, and it does not paint a pretty picture, including a totally mercurial owner uh, who will take kind of take someone under the wing chair, at one end and then just throw them on under the bus on at um, seemingly a moment's notice Uh, demand email responses at like midnight. So just like workplace tired stuff, Uh, not down with uh, like pride at black lives, Matter and that sort of stuff. I get the backlash. Mm -hmm. The guy's funeral was last week. He could have waited a week. But, the, yeah, the article is, was in the works for literally months. Like, it, it's going to come no matter what.
0: Yeah, and it's one of these things where you could definitely tell who was on Melnick's side and who wasn't yeah. when this article dropped. Because, again, Bruce Garriok didn't make any mention of it. A lot of TSN guys didn't make any mention of it. It was like... You know, Brett Wallace made an mention of it. Ian Mendez, because he was involved with it. You see people that either had beef with Melnick or had a bad run-ins with him that spoke out about this. Yeah, of course. And that's natural, right? Yeah. But still, I, I still think that I'm of the belief, I think somebody like Bruce Garyock and I know he spoke very highly about Eugene. He, I think he still should have come out and at least acknowledged that, okay, this happened and you
1: can think whatever you want about it, but. Well, I guess I think it's funny because it's almost worse that a bunch like people who had better run-ins with Melnick didn't say anything because it's almost one of those, the silence is damning sort of situations. Where, oh, the people who usually go to the bat for the organization just won't step up to the plate this time. It just, it really makes you wonder. It's like, is there just, there's nothing really they can say here. So they just won't, you know?
0: Yeah. It, it has a fair amount of shades of the whole Kyle Beach thing with the Blackhawks where it was like, you know, a lot of the players just didn't come out and say anything about it. Whether or not they, it's most likely because they either knew about it, they heard about it or they just weren't there. Like a, like a Marin host, like we mentioned last week.
1: Yeah. Who just wasn't there. And that's, that's definitely the thing here is the silence is a little deafening, honestly. But, uh, at this point, the information's out. I have no problem with it being out. And hopefully that'll, that could be the end of us having to talk about shit like this.
0: Hopefully. Well, Tim, that wraps up top of the hour for this week, which can mean only one thing. It's time to start talking about some games. Now, we got four games on the schedule. We've got the Jets versus the Senators, Senators versus the Red Wings, Senators versus the Bruins, and the final Battle of Ontario for 2021-2022, the Toronto Police versus the Ottawa Senators in Ottawa. But before we do that, let's hit the music. Okay, Tim, let's start talking about the Jets versus the Senators. This is a 4 to 3 Jets victory. Jets goals were scored by Nikolai Ehlers, Pierre Luc Dubois, Paul Stasny, and Kyle Connor. Sens goals were scored by Brady Duchuk with two and Josh Norris. Shots were 34 21 for Ottawa. A mixed bag game overall. Both teams took turns outplaying the other throughout the first two periods before Ottawa's attack came out flying in the third period, and trying to tie the game up, but were unable to do so. So let's talk about Brady to Chuck right off the top here, Tim. Two goals, one assist for three points on eight shots. One of the more dominant games I've seen him play, but the one thing that really sticks out for me, his baseball swing goal. That's such a
1: Brady goal. Holy crap.
0: It is. And like Katrina and I were watching the game and her and I were looking at each other going, that's kind of iffy. Is this going to count? Because and I think his Brady's so tall that he just kind of just was like, yeah, just kind of moved his body and not his shoulders.
1: Yeah. So it's not quite a high sticking.
0: No, it was. But it's funny. It seems Winnipeg, for whatever reason, always brings out these kind of games in Brady. He always plays really well against them. And it's funny because the Senators always historically have not played very well against the Jets for whatever reason. And then Connor Hellebuck played a really good decent game in this one but it was just one of these things where like i think it was last season i think when the send we tied it up and then right in the dying seconds i think it was Ennis and a scored right and we won the game i think that's what broke kyle uh, connor Halibach because he hasn't seemed to beat us since then
1: well connor hollabuck's just had a rough season since so sorry the this jets. year yeah
0: so, the, so the jets right and the jets are one of those teams like you We kind of knew they were kind of a fringe, maybe fringe playoff team, but what shouldn't be, because if you look at how the West is, right?
1: Well, it's just, they, they just had a weird season where just nothing seemed to go right. And that's been it for the Winnipeg Jets. Tim Stutzla. Do you want to talk about Tim Stutzla? Absolutely. And you know, Timmy Stu
0: had an assist and seven shots and God, you want to talk about one of these games that you just wish. You just wish he had scored because he had some
1: prime opportunities in this one. Well, Hellebuck robbed the guy. He was in tight twice with a beautiful backhand and a beautiful tip. And Carter Hellebuck got both of them. hmm Oh, so good.
0: It was so good, man. Timmy, Timmy was this? The, I think this is the game where he's sitting on the bench and he just goes like, what the hell?
1: Pretty much.
0: Yeah. So good, though. Now, let's turn attention to Josh Norris, who had a goal and assist on two points or four shots. Just another great game for Josh in this one. And That's the thing in that third period that I really noticed is that Josh, who's such a naturally, naturally has a shot first mentality, was passing the puck. If he had let one go, I think he could have tied it up in the
1: third period. That's a tough with Josh Norris is like, he's got a really wicked saucer pass that when he hits someone with it, like it's perfect. And uh, that's something that I, I would like to see Josh Norris pass a little more, to be honest. Because like he could, he has the hockey IQ to be a fantastic playmaker as well. But that shot just cannot be denied.
0: Yeah, he's going to be one of these guys. If he can work on his passing, he's going to be, okay, what's he going to do? Is he can, he can snipe it or he's going to pass it.
1: Like so, him and Stutzla.
0: So you can't read it.
1: Oh, God. The Norris fake shot pass. Yep. I can't wait for that. It's going to be so good, man. So good.
0: So let's talk about Matt Sogar, Tim. 21 saves, a .840 save percentage. You know, when talking about the opening goals of the second period, I really can't blame him on that. No. there was he got He got beat.
1: The Eller's goal, though, was you'd like that one back.
0: Yeah, that's well, yeah, that's the that's the only one I would say that. Yeah, you'd like to have that back. But the other ones are just kind of
1: what are you going to do about him? Yeah. And then Sanford hit the iron too. remember him. Uh, Was he the guy from that show, Sanford and Sons? I think I think he scored a hat trick for the Sens. I don't know. Did he? Yeah. Remember that game against Colorado? where we lost like eight to like eight to six or something stupid. Oh yes. That fellow. Yes. I do recall him yeah. now. Hard to remember.
0: I know. So I got him mistaken for Dylan Gambrough for a second. No, <laughs> that's okay. So this would be the final note I have for this game. I do want to make one mention though, because um the game. The Jeff Sens game was on last Sunday. Yep. So naturally I was running our third unplugged Twitter account I was tweeting out the games and one of the first tweets I sent out is because I was watching with my girlfriend and she is yeah. always very excited every time that the Sens play because she loves the fact that Jamie is on the broadcast. Yeah. So I made a tweet about that. I says, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to put out her Twitter handle or anything, but it's like, you know, the game hasn't started. Katrina's already hyped that noodles is on the call. Yep. And maybe 10 minutes later, I open Twitter up and there's a DM. I'm thinking, okay, that's weird. I open it. It's Jamie McClellan giving the thumbs up. <laughs> 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 so, and I was DMing him back and I said, and I just out of curiosity because the Sens play the Canucks on Tuesday. And I said, hey, by any chance, are you going to be in Vancouver for that game? He says, oh yeah, yeah. I'm going to be there. Cause he's going, they're going to Seattle in Vancouver. He says, yeah, it's a back-to-back. It's going to be that. And I go, oh, right on. And I said, me and my girlfriend are going to be at the game. She's going to have a sign that says, my boyfriend bought tickets to see the Sens. I came to see noodles. <laughs> he responded with, ha, "That's amazing." He says, "Yeah, if I happen to run see you guys in the game, I'll definitely come and say hello." Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, so she's looking forward to that. Are right, you Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Second game of the evening, Sens versus Red Wings. This is a four to one Senators victory. Sens go to scored by Tans <laughs> <laughs> Austin Watson and drake batherson the lone red wing goal is scored by tyler pertuzzi shot for 30 25 for ottawa ottawa outplayed detroit throughout this game both teams took turns early on getting scoring chances with ottawa getting the better of the chances and would eventually secure the w timmy stew let's talk about him for a second tim yeah two goals one assist for three points on two shots you know, despite his two goals being empty netters, or as a call the Austin
1: Matthews special, he really played a really great game against Detroit. Yeah, he, it was a fantastic game. Uh, just hard on every puck and uh, just really pushed tempo for the Senators every chance he got. And he was just, he was shooting from everywhere. So I'm really glad that he did end up getting that empty netter because honestly, he deserved it.
0: Yeah, it was one of those games that, you know, you really appreciate that. He, again, even though he only got the empty netters, he had a great game in this one. Another guy who had a really good game, Tim, Austin Watson. One goal, one assist for two points on three shots. I just have an asterisk. See comments from last week.
1: It was another really pretty goal. I don't like know. That's the thing that annoys me about Austin Watson so much. The talent is there. It's just it's not doesn't always come out. Yeah. Like what's going on here?
0: I know he's definitely fighting for a job next season, though. Cause he
1: knows that Parker Kelly's coming. Well, Parker Kelly's here and it's all and that's the funny thing he's coming about full time uh, though. He's coming he's full time. Full time. Well, here's the thing. Parker Kelly is probably already ahead of Austin Watson on DJ Smith's depth list at this point. Because like he spent most of this game on the third. Kelly spent most of the game on the third line with Colin White and Connor Brown, while Watson was on the fourth line with Gambrell and Gaudet. And, like that's the thing is, Parker Kelly has probably, and I think rightfully earned a full time spot on the senders line because he has shown himself as the perfect bottom six player. And
0: he's cheap too because he's not going to be looking for a contract for another maybe two years. Yeah, I
1: entry Level. Yeah. Well remember he like Parker Kelly is he's one of those players that teams just love because it's found money. He's undrafted, you get him cheap and he got something. And if you're going to comp- compete in the NHL you have to be able to do shit like that. Yeah, he's very much like Tyler Ennis. Like Tyler Ennis. So like that's the thing is like I think the Ottawa Senators rebuild will succeed. Because you've got Ottawa is starting to pump out a lot of these players where it was like, they took a chance and it worked out. Like even guys that they've traded away, like Mike Riley. But you've got guys like Kelly, later picks like Batherson.
0: Yep. And even pickups like Matthew Joseph.
1: Matthew Joseph. So it's like, they're starting to come through the system too. You like, you've got a few guys in Belleville that are also coming up, like Roby Urvente and Eeyore Sokolov as well, that are your later picks that are starting to show promise.
0: Yeah, so it really goes to show what our amateur scouting is. Dude, as as yeah. hot garbage as our pro scouting is, our amateur scouting is just so good with a lot of players. Like, perfect example, Shane Pinto.
1: Yeah. People, well, saw
0: the, people saw that as a reach pick when he got taken.
1: Yeah. Well, here's the other thing, too. Like, let's not even fully write off the pro scouts because the Matthew Joseph pickup is looking to be a home run. And... Even the yeah. Hamlet pickup. Yeah, the even the Hamlet if... pickup is pretty solid. Yeah, like, like if Hamonic plays well next season and it turns out that it's just Jack Capuato as the Hammonick Whisperer, then yeah, that's another good pickup for the pro scouts. Turning Evgeny Dadnov into Nick Holden is pretty good. Really, the only miss by the pro scouts in a while would then be the Zeitsep trade. But does that counter the fact that they also they got Connor Brown as that? Yeah, like that's the thing, is like if that's like if that's the case like maybe we're selling the pro scouts a little short here
0: yeah that's true that is true no a guy that you just mentioned him is drake batherson your boy one goal and two shots played pretty decent game for this week
1: and it was another like very well set up shot attempt by batherson just getting right into the slot and just tipping a shot that probably was going to go wide right in there beauty goal
0: yeah, I gotta say, because Drake's definitely your boy for sure. Does it help that he's an East Coaster?
1: Of course.
0: Yeah. Always helps. And you East Coasters, you always stick together. It's great. <laughs> Now the final guy we should talk about here, Tim, Anton Forsberg, 24 saves, a point nine six oh save percentage. You know, despite the how and people talk about how far along the Red Wings are in the rebuild. Honestly, I don't see it. And I thought he played a pretty decent game in this one.
1: Yeah, but he also just wasn't really tested. The only really tough shot he got was the Tyler Bertuzzi goal. Mm-hmm. But honestly, solid outing. You can't be giving anything to the Detroit Red Wings.
0: No, and that's the thing. People always talk about how far along they are, but then you look at their defense, and you're like, ooh,
1: no. Well, it's like it, Moritz Cider is going to be fantastic. Oh yeah. The rest well, of that decor <laughs>
0: when Mark Stahl is one of your better defensemen, you know something's
1: bad. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah, yeah. Although their jerseys are still elite, though. Oh, of course. What's I, like what's they like got? Well, Daddy DeKaiser. Uh.
0: Yeah. I don't know, man. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know i got going to say, though, all the original six teams, they all have elite jerseys, though. They do. It's all like they found a perfect jersey, and they just never got away from that. I mean. Toronto, Toronto's had a few revisions in the past, but for their, the, the other five, Boston had a Well, Boston's had
1: a, Boston's Boston's had a few. Boston's
0: had a few. Boston's had a few, but think of it. Chicago hasn't. Nope. It, it, their main jerseys. Chicago hasn't. Montreal, Montreal hasn't. Detroit hasn't. And the ranger, the rangers had a couple of like very little tweaks to it, but not a full on revision.
1: Yeah. Well, the, but they all, the rangers were also a lot more adventurous with third jerseys.
0: Yeah. And we saw that with the lady Liberty jerseys, which are. They're super- good. Oh, okay. So I got to tell you something right now, real quick. Yeah. Because we're talking about third jerseys and you know, I've always been pumping that the New York Islanders should bring back the fishermen for their reverse retros for next year. Yeah. I actually saw one of those jerseys in the wild. You should just go out and buy one. I saw one at, at source for sports. I should have bought it. It was sitting right there. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. You, ha- you had to go for it, dude. I know it was like between that. And when I was driving to Katrina's this past week, I drove by Kwamichin, the old middle school. And there were some first nations playing hockey in the basketball court. Yeah. The goalie was wearing a SNEZ jersey. Nice. And I'm like, fuck, I knew that guy was around somewhere. <laughs> remember, we, I've seen two SNES jerseys around.
1: And well, One like, of them is mine now.
0: Well, yeah, the third one's here. But yeah, yeah. remember the one you and I were last together and we drove oh, yeah. by the guy's a SNES jersey? We're like,
1: this guy's got a SNES on. Although I completely forgot about, well, didn't even know that from six, 76 to 78, The Rangers did change out the classic Rangers jersey. It's so odd
0: looking. But then again, the Leafs have had, if you look at their ones from the 80s, you're just like, "Eh?"
1: why did you do this?
0: They they kind of brought it back with a reverse retro with gray.
1: Yeah, not a fan. Gray
0: is such an ugly color for jerseys,
1: man. But then again, it was Harold Ballard bullshit era. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. So Tim, let's turn our attention to the third game of the episode. Sens versus Bruins. This is a three to two, Senators victory. Sens goals scored by Brady DeChuck, Josh Norris and Tim Stoopsa. Bruins goals scored by Mark McClellan and Jasper Froden. Shots were 32, sorry, 42-32 for the Bruins. Mark McLaren opens the scoring to make it one nothing Bruins on a deflexman. Jasper Froden scored on another deflection to make it 2-0. Brady Chuck gets auto on the board to make it 2-1 Bruins. Josh Norris scores on a one-timer to tie the game at two. And Timmy Stutzla cleans up the rebound to make it 3-2 Senators, which would be the final. So you and I both had to condense watch this game this past week. So we're only going to talk about Brady and Josh. Now let's talk Brady Chuck. One goal, one assist for two points on six shots. You know what this goal reminds me of? Uh Because five years ago, remember in the playoff series versus the Rangers where Eric scored from the side of the
1: net? Brady got it from behind the net and got it in. Well, what's funny is the NHL actually just records it still slightly in front of the goal line. But it's like, damn, how did you do that? And this game's kind of weird because like the Sens offense just comes in a span of like 10 minutes. And then the just kind of go away after that, but it was enough that you could reasonably say that Ottawa had the better of the chances of the game.
0: Yeah, they did. Like they they really, really did. Even Josh Norris, who had a goal on two shots. From the office. Yeah. Like, how are you gonna beat Josh Norris with a one timer?
1: From the left, from the right slot. Sorry, from the right face off dot, even. Yeah. On the power play, no less. You just that don't.
0: Oh my God, it's so good. It's very much, you know, what this reminds me a lot of is Danny Heatley, where Danny Heatley used to just do that all the
1: time. Yep. Well, like, once you find your spot in the NHL, like, it's funny that Danny Heatley wasn't able to keep producing from the spot, but Alex Ovechkin has just made a career from there. Yeah. And the fact is, they haven't been able to stop him. This was just such a weird game, though, because it was like, Boston's offense really came from the literally who's. Wow. Did Depressed John and Marsh and even really do anything? Uh,
0: I don't know. I didn't get a chance to really watch the game. <laughs> but a guy who really stepped up was Timmy Stew. One goal, two assists for three points on five shots. You know, and this was a game. I was actually going to save this note for the next game. We're going to talk about Tim because yeah. it's really games like this. That really makes the Senators wonder for next season. Who's going to really be their, their one C? Is it going to be Josh or is it going to be Timmy?
1: But that's such a good problem to have because like, think about it. That just means you have two excellent centers, especially in the next game. Just watching Stutzler skate with the puck nowadays is incredible. Like that is a man who is just like, yeah, I'm here. You have to deal with me.
0: Yeah, but even in this game, I mean, you know, you watched it even in the clips on Twitter. It was just like, he got the puck, he skated around, and it was more of a, here, you want the
1: puck? Come catch me. Oh, for sure. And, like, the Boston Boston is an elite defensive team. And the fact that Stutzla can walk the Bruins is terrifying. 100%, man, 100%.
0: So, Tim... I was going to say it's time to talk about the Leafs versus the Senators. But because it's our third line Plug is War episode, I've got to ask Tim. If you are ready to see me turn on to the next game, give me a hell yeah.
1: Hell yeah.
0: Okay, Tim, we have come to the fourth and final game of the episode Leafs versus Senators. This was a 5 to 4 Leafs overtime victory. Leafs goals were scored by Mitch Marner with two, Kyle Clifford, Michael Bunting, and Mark Giordano in overtime. Since goals were scored by Tim's. <laughs> Michael Delzato, and Dylan Gambrell. Shots were 41-29 for Toronto. A fast paced and exciting game overall. Toronto started off the game dominating Ottawa with an offensive attack, which was very aggressive, which would be key for them later in the game. Ottawa were slow to get their game going, but were fantastic for large parts of this game, but wasn't enough
1: to secure the W. And an in- important note about this game, Colin White entered COVID protocol this app Saturday afternoon, so Ottawa played the fabled eleven and seven, and Victor Mete played three minutes. So Ottawa played the game essentially with nineteen skaters. The Boucher and special. it showed. Yeah, the Boucher special. Ottawa hung with Toronto pretty well for the first two periods, and kind of into the third as well, and then just ran out of gas.
0: Yeah, but even when you saw Toronto's offensive attack when it went from, like, what, 3-1 to 3-3, yeah, you saw the Senators were completely in chaos. They were just like, oh, no, they don't no. have the
1: puck. Yeah.
0: Even in their body language, it was very obvious that once they got the puck, it was like, oh, fuck, just try to stop it. But yeah. they could not clear the puck. They basically tried to clear it, and they just gave it right to Toronto.
1: Yeah, and that's that was the frustrating thing to watch this game. So just... Ottawa's complete inability to play defense. It definitely would have been better if you had Shabbat to eat a bunch of the mitt. And I think this is a coaching issue as well. That Zaitz have got 20 minutes, but to be fair, like Branstrom, Eric Branstrom was not having a great game either.
0: No, he wasn't. And honestly,
1: I think as a first
0: pairing, they really should have ran MDZ Hamanick. They well. kind of did. Yeah. And it's one of those things that, and you know, we, we would talk about Timmy Stu. But actually, I want to talk about Uncle Deli because he had a goal and assist on two points or on one shot. I really gotta say, I've been really happy with Michael Delzato's play in this game. Like he, he, in fact, he stepped up, he made some really smart plays, and overall just looked really good.
1: Well, what's weird is that the Delzato havnick pairing destroyed the Matthews line. Unfortunately, it was mostly. Holden and Zaitsev got most of the Matthews pairing and they kept getting hemmed in. Like if Delzato and Hamnick saw more of Austin Matthews, it probably would have been a more
0: balanced game. Yeah, and it's funny watching that game because Austin Matthews, what, what has he got now? 60? I think so. he hit 60? He played terrible last night. There was just moments watching that game and it just looked like, Toronto was going half speed. There was a moment, and I think it was. Let to look at my notes here. I believe it was Stutzla. I believe it was Stutzla when he got the first goal. Is yeah, no, it was the first goal because yes. Stutzla dived into the glass. Was you had a moment? I believe it was TJ Brody. <clears throat> clean, clean shot in the open net, and he delayed two seconds. Game, and that was enough
1: for Stutzla to get the puck.
0: It gave Forsberg enough time to slide yeah. across to close that gap. And then the puck went the other way. Oh God, I was so happy when Stutzla scored. Oh, so good.
1: Oh, such a good goal too, because it was just that straight line speed gets, gets himself the, gets himself the separation. He needs to just release a wicked shot. And I think Stutzla was probably the best player on the ice. That's not although, even relatable. Although Michael Bunting did have a very good game.
0: Yeah, he did. And another guy who actually had a really good game, despite what the stat line may show, was Anton Forsberg with 36 saves, a .878 save percentage. And you know, it's a shame that he didn't get above 900 because he actually played a fantastic game. He was the reason that the Senators stayed in it for as long as they did, especially in that first period when I think they were out shooting as like nine to two or something. Something stupid like that. And and he made a very smart thing where he would stop or the puck would hit him. He kind of stopped. He pulled the puck into him. And it stopped the play.
1: Well, that's the thing is like the more I watch Anton Forsberg, it's like the more you realize that he's a fairly smart goaltender. And that's a very underrated trait in goalies. And I think a lot of people, especially
0: casual fans, they want the flashy saves. They want want, the Carey Price windmills and all that shit. But when you watch games night after night after night, having just a really smart goalie in the net helps. And he definitely has a lot of Craig Anderson to him because Craig Anderson was not the flashiest goalie, but he was such a smart goalie. And when he made a save, he knew, okay, when do I flip this out or when do I just stop the play? Yeah,
1: because one of the things I'm also noticing about Forsberg this season versus last season is he's not kicking out as many rebounds. And there's a lot more moments where Forsberg is like, I've seen enough. I'll I'll take a face off.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. Now let's talk about Brady Shuck here, Tim. One assist and four shots. I'm going to say right now, could you imagine the selly he would have done if he had scored when he crashed into the crossbar?
1: That was so funny, and it's like this is the thing. Is like Cal is such a bad goalie. I was almost expecting it just to go in.
0: The fact that Matthews got his stick in between Brady and the puck is incredible. Yeah,
1: Forsberg had a 0.88 last night. Calgary had a 0.86. He managed to be worse. And if Jack Campbell... This is going to be the issue for the Leafs of the playoffs. If Jack Campbell doesn't round into early season form, they don't have anyone to go back to because Mrazek is garbage. And Calgary just... He's an AHL goalie unless like Tampa Bay is like totally out, like totally hung out to dry. It's not looking good for Toronto.
0: I know I really don't see Tampa Bay doing that, though. That's the one thing is Tampa because is Kucherov. He's in the still in the lineup, isn't he? Or is he I least the- so? Yeah. So I mean, it's not like. Tampa is running super hard, like they're getting ready for the playoffs. They're getting ready for a three Yeah.
1: Yeah. Because I don't think they have any. Tampa has no injuries right now.
0: Yeah. Honestly, if Toronto Tampa little sneak peek for our playoff edition here in a few weeks, you stop
1: Boston Matthews, you basically stop everything. Although it's funny because like the top line with Marner and Bunting is still able to produce even without Matthews, but that's assuming Marner shows up for the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Like just you can't pencil that one in giordano has been a very good pickup for them though very much
0: so very very much so now let's turn our attention tim to the man of the hour who's too sweet to be sour timmy stutzla two goals on three shots what can you really say like this guy was this is easily the best i've ever seen stutzla play and i'm not gonna lie I was absolutely screaming in the third period. Stutzler had the breakaway to look like he was going to put us up 5-4. And he got stopped.
1: And it was like the only good stop Calgary made in the night. Yeah. And like, that's the thing is like, if he had got that final breakaway in. Oh man. I get the overtime call. I'm not a fan of intention to blow the whistle. Like the play was assumed dead is pretty bullshit and Ottawa's had that called again has had the call go the other way against them so many fucking times this season that I just don't have time for that the NHL's officiating this season has been dog shit yep and something we talked about in the past too right probably the worst I have ever seen and apparently like that's not uncommon because the umping at MLB this year has also been incredibly bad mm-hmm. to the point where people are like, you know what? Fuck it. Bring on the robo lumps. Pretty much so.
0: Now, we're talking about Timmy Stu. I would be remiss if we didn't talk about the William Nylander penalty last night because you know what? Leaf fans everywhere were just screaming murder. They're going, how is this a penalty? He's embellishing it. Blah, 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 blah. And you know what? As Senators fans, I am not going to sit here and tell you he didn't fully embellish on that. It was a bit of an embellishment, but I don't think it was an embellishment. I think it was more of a reaction play. But for me, the only criticism I have of it, I'm not saying Toronto fans aren't completely out to lunch about it, but I think if that had happened against a Toronto player, they would be screaming for a suspension. Yep, They would be screaming murder. Well, the-
1: yeah. well, the thing is, is, it's Everyone is going to embellish on a hold. Literally, everyone does in the NHL.
0: And it wasn't even a hold. It was kind of a Stutzla had to go back and Nylander kind of turned.
1: Yeah. Like it was a weird play, but Nylander's hand shouldn't have been there in the first place. Everyone sells that call. And the fact that that's being used to call Stutzla a diver and fucking Montreal media is on that again. It's like, oh, I guess maybe. Delagru has a point. No, everyone does that. Fuck off.
0: Yeah, you know, it even pissed me off when guys like Steve Dangle are making like a comp, making comments about this. They're like, oh yeah, he's diving. He's doing this. Like, fuck off. I, I'm sorry, but fuck, fuck off. gives a shit you about Steve re- Dangle
1: anymore, so who you cares? You
0: realize if Matthews had did this, if Marner had did this, if Nylander had done it, you guys would be calling murder. Yep. But you yeah. Know, uh,
1: Rightfully, no one gives a shit about Steve Dagle anymore, so. Okay, final comment I want to make
0: here. I'm going back to the Leaf fans coming to Ottawa. Yep. As a Senators fan. Now, I haven't gotten the chance to go see a Battle of Ontario game in Ottawa. I've heard so much negative comments regarding how Leaf fans are. Leaf fans are like this everywhere. It's not just isolated to Ottawa. They're they're fucking pricks everywhere you go. Yep. It's 2022. Can we please stop yelling shit during a moment of silence? Because you heard that even during the broadcast, the guys are like, "Yeah, go, Lee, the sensei." Go. Why you shut the fuck up? Like,
1: honestly, yeah. Why are you yelling during a moment of silence for a guy who just died? Like, what the fuck's wrong with you?
0: Yeah. It and it's just the thing. Like, just the abuse that sense fans take from leaf fans i you almost get to the point you're getting outclassed by boston fans boston fans who regardless of what sport you cheer for boston fans will always get a bad reputation for being that way but you know at least with boston fans when they come to ottawa i you'd never hear any criticism of how the Bruin fans are you hear a bit of it with montreal fans but i think it's just because
1: you know french canadians and english right well, also there's a there's a bigger rivalry between Sens and Habs than Sens and Bruins.
0: That is true, but even like my interactions with Hab fans when they know I'm a Sens fan, are fairly positive. It's
1: usually just chirping, right?
0: And there's a difference between being there's a difference between chirping and being an asshole. There's a fine line between the two. Montreal fans are more chirping. Toronto fans are not.
1: Well, it's there's no polite way to say what the probable reason is. So I'm just not going to.
0: Yeah. But I don't know. And this is why, this is why nobody likes the Leafs. And I will, I bet I will go on record right now. I hate the Leafs fan base. Like I, I, I hate the Montreal Canadiens as a team, but I hate the Leafs as a fan base.
1: Well, it's funny because like most, like I do have buddies that are Leaf fans and like, they hate, and like, from Toronto, they hate other Leaf fans. Unfortunately, there is a social class element to it.
0: Yeah, it was just kind of like with um, Montreal, Toronto fans, right? Yeah. So it was going to be French, Canadian versus English. Yeah. So, yeah, Tim, I don't have really any more comments to make on these games. If you want to head off to the close for another yeah. episode. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening to the Third Line Plug, Sensecast. I hope you've enjoyed it, because believe me, Tim and I love recording it for you. We're on the National Podcast Network. You can find our page on nationalpodcast.network. We can find our page to iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Spotify. We're, we are also on Twitter at Plugs Our Twitter handle, Tim is at M91HoneyBadger. I'm at Great White gipster, G-R-8-W-A-T-E-Gipster. If you want to shoot us an email to talk about the games, top of the hour or you want to give some feedback on what we were saying about Timmy Stu and the Toronto Maple Leafs, choose an email, 30 at gmail.com. So Tim, for next week, we don't, e- we don't just have one episode. We've got two episodes for next week because next week we will be doing an exclusive interview with former Ottawa Senators, captain Lori Bushman, as well as our regular game, which are going to have four games that we're going to be talking about yeah. as it currently stands. We have Monday night, we will be traveling to Seattle, Washington, for the very first time to play the Seattle Kraken. Tuesday, we will be in Vancouver to, to play the Vancouver Canucks. Canucks. Friday, we're heading down to Columbus to play the Blue Jackets. And Saturday night, we return home to play Le Canadien de Montreal.
1: I forgot that our game against the Kraken got canceled because of COVID. It did? Oh, yeah. That's from earlier yeah. Yeah, 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 because that's why the Vancouver, they're going back to Vancouver, too.
0: Yes, 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 that's right, because I had tickets for that in January. Yeah. Basically, I went from four rows up to, I think it's
1: 11, 11 rows. Oh, you got pushed back a bit? Yeah. it's oh, in a different, a shame.
0: It's still in the lower bowl, so, you know,
1: I'm happy. Can't complain, but it, it's a bit of a shame, you know.
0: 16 rows, that's where I'm 16 rows up. That's okay. Right. That's alright, Tim. Until next week, guys. I am your host, Taylor Gibson, and this is Tip Tim Jet Go Sends, guys.
1: Woo!